What number is this, Chip? Zilch 170, Monkey's Tour Review with Ron McNeil from the Fab Four, Head Talk, MMR, and more. Okay, no, I mean, like, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short, I know. You're listening to Zilch, a Monkey's podcast. Welcome back to Zilch, your podcast full of monkeys and monkey shines and all that stuff. I am one of your hosts, Ken Mills, and today I am joined by Ron McNeil of the Fab Four. Hello, hello. That's great. Rock and roll, man. It's going to be great and groovy and all that. That's right. Give Fab as a twist. And for those who don't know, you play John Lennon, the part of John Lennon in the Fab Four, and sometimes... Sometimes I play the fool. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> you knew I was going to get it, right, Ken? Of course. These are, I mean, there's lines if you're a Monkees fan or a Beatles fan or whatever fan. It's just, you know, you yeah, just I know, go with this it, is, man. This is softball, Ken. Come on. Give yeah. me something hard. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> so today we have you on the show and we're going to play some music that you've done. You were going to do a review of the current tour, the 55 Alive, as I'm calling it, the Monkees the Mike and Mickey show right there. So we're going to talk about that. I'm going to get, I, I kind of want to pick your brains on something somebody posted on the Facebook page, but we'll get to that later. Okay. But before we get into this week's episode, I'd like to send a shout out to Curtis Longclo over at the Retro Zest podcast. He was foolish enough to ask me to come on and talk about the monkeys. So he got an extra deluxe version of his show because his shows usually only last about 40 45 minutes an hour he got like a two-hour primer on the monkeys so god bless that man oh that's great yeah don't ask ken to be on your show Forget <laughs> it. talking about the monkeys you definitely get your quarters worth right <laughs> when you think about it you know when when you hear it uh it, it's almost like the condensed version of the zilch podcast except it's in almost a two-hour form so there you go but uh, it was it was great to be invited by Curtis. He's a great guy. He runs a really great podcast. You can find him over at RetroZest.com. That's RetroZest.com. And it sounds like it'll take the dirt stains out of your laundry, right? <laughs> nice and clean and white. There you go. Good, clean, fun. Nothing wrong with that. But mm. check out episode 76 in which we talk about the 55th anniversary of the Monkees. So thank you, Curtis. And who knows, maybe someday we'll even air some of that here on the Zilch feed. Who knows? We will see. We will see. Uh, we're going to review the current tour. But first, I'd like to play a song. And it's something you have something to do with, right, sir? Oh, I don't know. What are you going to play? <laughs> it depends. Well, I think I want to kick off the show with You Just May Be the One by a group called The Monkey Men. Oh, that would be very cool. Well, yeah, this is something that we did, you know, during COVID. We're all kind of locked up and I just... Not uh, legally, was, you mean... Not legally. <laughs> okay, because that's a different thing. I didn't know that if they'd let you have thing. your instruments in there, you know. Yeah, for sure. And I was, you know, just goofing around with some friends, you know, Joe, who uh, 
Joe Bologna, who's you know our Fab Four drummer, and he's really into the monkeys. And he was the drummer for our 50 Summers of Love tour with Mickey and with Mark Lindsay. Mm -hmm. And so I said, can you just lay down some drums for a couple of monkey tracks? I'd like to just, you know, just have some fun and do it when I can. And so, yeah, here it is. It's, it's a lot of fun. Just may be the one. So without further ado or further don't, it's Ron McMill, Joe Bologna, and a few other guys as the monkey men doing their version of You Just May Be the One. Just may be the one That was a lot of fun. Love hearing that. You did a great job. And, you know, thank you for a lot of people. You know, it's it's one thing for you to do John Lennon. Right. But you do the monkeys, too. Let's be honest. Well, yeah, but I got paid to do the Beatles. So that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, you know, just like yourself, I've, I've always done voices since I was a kid. And, you know, cartoon voices and, and different things. I, I knew it was bad when I uh, had an imitation of all of my teachers in the seventh grade, all seven of my teachers. I'm like, oh, no, I must have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, so, so just along those lines, I've always had a, a Davy impression and a Mike impression and Mickey. And, you know, just I've always done that just for fun. But uh, thought I'd put it down. Let's 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 hear a little bit of it, if you don't mind. Sure. Oh, you're talking to me? Yes. <laughs> Mike, Mike, Mike. Yeah, what's the matter there, Mickey? Uh, listen, uh, Mike, uh, Mickey's all right, you know, just. Uh, you know, <laughs> there you go. Do. Put I you mean, on the spot right yeah, there. I, I, exactly. I have no nothing to say in particular that way. But if you give me something to do it, I'll do it. I love how you did the excited Mickey, because that's that's yeah. that's a lot of the first year is Mickey just being excited about everything. It always sounds like he's had too much coffee for sure. It's yeah. Like, you know. With the sugar already in it. It's like, oh, you know, okay, Mickey, just cool it. 
<laughs> cool it, man. And Mike was the calming presence that yeah. right yeah. out of Texas, the tall drink of water himself. But uh, yeah, so <laughs> that's awesome. That is that is a blast. Uh, you know, we've joked about doing like a zilch play, like a missing episode of the monkeys tv show right and it would just yeah. all be audio but who knows someday you might be drafted into that well that would be fun i'd love to do that maybe some kind of animation or something would be oh that cool. would be cool yeah you guys could all pull that together but it, it would be neat who knows maybe on an upcoming episode of zilch or on our youtube feed or somewhere i think it could be a lot of fun it can't all do anything for money well there's oh, that we're old... not getting paid no no <laughs> what was the old marx brothers line Oh, I forget. Uh, yeah. If we don't rehearse, it costs more. Well, well, what if you don't play? You can't afford it. So it's that right. kind of thing. Right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, that was that was a lot of fun. Thank you for letting me put you on the spot like that. Speaking of on the spot, the monkeys, Mike and Mickey show, are on the spot right now. And it is the 55th anniversary of the monkeys. And it is the farewell tour. Andrew Sandoval has pulled out the stops and the the gang are touring. Uh, what a heck of a band they've got up there on that stage. And we're going to talk about this and there's going to be some spoilers. So if you want to go into the Monkees concerts without any spoilers, I do have to say up front, I believe there will be some Monkey songs played. Yeah, I'm going to go over the whole thing because I thought yeah. it was fantastic. And like, you know, yeah, if you, you don't want spoilers, then just turn it off. But then turn off your Facebook too, because then, you know, the clips have been going around anyway. So it's everywhere, man. Uh, our, our good friends over at the monkeys live almanac wrote, and this was on the first show. So this, this is where it all kicks off. The first show, the monkeys farewell tour is now complete. Michael Mickey and the band performed this evening in Spokane, Washington and presented an, an eclectic set that featured the monkeys greatest hits, deep cut selections from their 2016 album, good times and more. He also writes, in many ways, the set resembles the 2018-2019 Mike and Mickey shows, but a couple of songs made their anticipated live concert debut this evening in, po this evening in Spokane. Love is Only Sleeping, a perennial favorite from the Monkees' fourth album, Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones Limited, is being performed for the first time as is While I Cry, a Michael Nesmith original from 1969's Instant Replay, and another song fans have long held in high regard, Through the Looking Glass. The opening track from the Instant Replay album returns to the set for the first time since 1989. Different drum is performed throughout the Mike and Mickey shows, and another Nesmith original was the lead single from Mickey's latest solo album, Dolan Sings Nesmith. So that's pretty cool, right? Hey, you read my whole review. I'll see you oh, later. Thanks, no, no, Dan. no. Bye. You were there, so I'm I'm going to pick your brain. So let's just go through the exact set list, if you will. Well, yeah, let's do that. I mean, just like you said, just the idea that Andrew got everybody together in the middle of COVID, all the challenges that it takes to put on a tour in the first place. I mean, you know, you got different personalities, different dietary needs. People don't sleep. You know, your ears are ringing after the show. And it's just to be on a long tour like that in the first place, much less be, you know, most of the players age that mm -hmm. they're playing in the in the show. That's that's a tough thing. So special, you know, kudos to uh, to Andrew for just putting it all together and getting it all going. I, I thought it was just, um, it was a, a real treat in these crazy times, you know, all these, all this stuff going on. But I think along that same way, I felt like the show was a little more serious. I thought it was a little more uh, emotional than, than a usual monkey show. And I think for that reason, it, it worked out real well. The first thing I noticed when I walked in was 
um, you know, Andrew always has something special playing when you're walking in. Of course, he mm-hmm. had his usual demos, stuff you haven't heard before, stuff that even hasn't even been released now, outtakes and different things. So that I was tempted to take out my, you know, take out my phone and record. Oh, I haven't heard this version, you know, but, um, you know, I was just too excited to be there to actually do that. Plus all the noise and everything. But right. uh, so there was some good stuff going on there, you know. And uh, the first thing you see when you, you know when you come out is you do see the stools and you're thinking you, you know you've seen pictures of them sitting down Mike mm-hmm. and Mickey and you're thinking well yeah but that it actually added to the show to me it felt more like almost like a like a country western show which you know Mike and his songs have always been you know leaning towards that country rock that sort of southern thing and so it felt a little bit more serious a little more adult you know what I mean like if you're expecting yeah. to see you know, you're picturing, you know, Davy with the stars in his eyes and, the, and them getting chased by girls and some kooky music and stuff. That's not what it is. That's not what the monkeys are anymore. That's that's not what it is. We've all matured a little bit. And I thought that we hope, the show. Hopefully we've matured. Some of us, some of us has just gotten older. <laughs> <laughs> well, dare I say that the monkeys are evolving. Dare I say that? That their show is actually evolving into something that's more serious. We just, we never thought mm-hmm. it would be this way, but. Here we are 50, 55 years later listening to all this great stuff. And the show really is for super fans. I mean, if you know mm-hmm. what Shorty Blackwell is, much less, you know, know all the words, you're, <laughs> this show is for you. It's actually for you, the big fan, the person that has everything, that knows everything about them and, and knows where their history has taken them. I, I think this is, this is for you. And not that the casual fan wouldn't enjoy it. Because you know, all the hits are still there. Mm-hmm. It's just that it felt a little bit more like this is for us, like me and you. In fact, I think they right. wrote the show just for me and you, Ken. Just the two or, of us. Or you and I. You and I. Another yeah. another song there. But yeah. it's almost like uh, this is Monkeys Unplugged, even though there are full electrical instruments. Yeah. It, you almost get that kind of feeling that, you know, the monkeys have, have evolved. No pun intended there. Yep. Darwinism, but the monkeys have evolved. They've went from being a comedy show to the concert as they first were, and then they became like a R and B review at one point when Peter left. Oh yeah, yeah. And then it the show has always evolved from like a Las Vegas kind of thing to a review to a comedy show to a serious concert. And as over the last ten years or so, we've seen the show become less about the big screens and the costumes and more about the music. So in a weird way, the the show has evolved into what we have always wanted it to be as fans. And it's not that we didn't appreciate all that entertainment in between, but to us, it's always been about the music just as much as it's been about the TV show or the people in the band. Right. Well, and it shows you the, all of, all of that's true. Yeah, and it shows you the diversity, really, of the music because it can be that, you know, Davy, you know, the girl screaming at Davy, and and Peter being goofy, and and those different things, and now it can actually be a serious thing. And a- another point I wanted to bring up is, actually, uh, one of the reasons we're actually doing this podcast is because some of us can't actually go see the show. And I mean, there's, you know, there, with COVID and all these different things, it's it's going to be a very difficult thing for people to get out. So I think that um, it, it's a good thing that we will be reviewing and 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 reviewing what the what the guys have brought to us fans, you know. Yeah. Thank goodness for YouTube and thank goodness for social media. I mean, rarely do we get to say that about social media, but this is one time when we can all feel that we're together. And Christine, the button queen, has tried to make the buttons 
a thing this tour, but it's been kind of hard because with people not sure that they can make it or things changing so quick, plus the rising cost of buttons, and I'm not kidding. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's since Zilch started, the buttons have been a thing amongst the fan community, and it's not as easy this year, but there are people that are representing along the way, not at every stop, sadly, but it's great to still see people posting those buttons. You've, you've actually received a couple buttons from time to time. I know you. Oh have. yeah, yeah. I did. I did the ones during uh during the Fifty Summers of Love show, which was cool. And I could have done some this time. I just I didn't know I was going. Right. We, the Fab Four. We performed on Friday in Burbank, and then we had Saturday off, and then Sunday we were in San Diego. And I saw somebody posted, "I'm gonna go see the the monkeys on on Saturday in San Diego." I'm like, "Well, wait a minute. I'm gonna be there the next day. Why don't I just?" So I just drove all the way down and said, "Okay, this is it. I'm driving down. I'm gonna go see them." So. And, you know, Andrew got me in the last minute. So that was really cool. Fantastic. And you have worked with Andrew uh, in a professional capacity. The Fab Four has as well. And it's it's been a fantastic situation. Andrew is a class act all the way around. And uh, I'm just so glad that, you know, for all the care for everything that he does. And by the way, folks, his book is shipping. It is on its way to you. The day by day from of the day by day of the monkeys with Andrew Sandoval, it is it's going to be so worth it. I know you're waiting for it. Oh yeah, I'm totally looking looking every day at the mailbox to see when it's coming in. That's going to be great. We're, you know, I'm such a big fan of Andrew's. You know, maybe one day the two of us can tie him up and take his job and go into the vault and listen to the stuff ourselves. That's what I told him. <laughs> I keep joking with him. That's what we're going to do with him. But. No, he's been he's been really cool, really great guy through all these years. He could just rent it out to us. You can you've got two hours and a, each have a set of headphones. You know, mm. I, wonder, I wonder how much you'd charge for that. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> speaking of charging, let's talk about the merchandise because there's a lot of cool merchandise uh, this year. Does anything catch your eye? Oh, I liked all of it. You know, it's all too expensive for me, but I liked <laughs> I liked all of it. I liked the uh, the sort of um, you know the double breasted shirts i mean yeah. a little loud and of course the classic black with the with the logo on it uh the pisces aquarius kind of looking logo that they have this year mm -hmm. on the black shirt that looked really nice I, you know pretty much you know let's face it this will be the last time we tour so a lot of that stuff's going to be you know hard to get after the after the tour so i don't know did you did you see anything that you liked you know, it it was interesting to see, like, you know, when they were the, the dolls on the 33 and a third special, it was neat to see that artwork yes, on something. Yes, that's a great shirt, yes. Yeah, and uh, that that was something that caught my eye just for the, the fact that who would have ever thought in 2021 we'd see an official tour shirt <laughs> yep. with that, yeah, exactly. you know what I mean? With 33 and a third on it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's it's great to see them mining different levels of the years and fandom and all that. It's it's fantastic. But, you know, a lot of people were wondering, is there going to be any merch? But if I'm telling you, folks, it's a wall full of the stuff. So it's fantastic. Hopefully you'll get what you want. And who knows, maybe someone's thinking of you just in time for Christmas, right? Oh. But there's a lot of cool merch out there. Let's let's go through the set list track by track. Yeah, let's do that. I mean, the first thing, obviously, like I said, lights come down and, and Mickey might come out. And it's like, yeah, it's it's emotional to see Mike. Yeah, he's a little bit older, but like like we discussed before, who isn't? Do you know anybody who's who's not getting any older? You know, and what struck me right away was the sort of we're going to be listening to music that's like fifty years old. It's like the music; it really is 
a test of it to the music. I was thinking more of that than I was thinking how old the guys look. I thought they looked great, you know, and Mike, you know, he always has that look in his eyes. It's just like, you know, he's ready to do it and he's excited to be there and he looked excited to be there. And that, that was, that made it, you know, all the better for me. And then of course they just launch into a uh, good, clean fun. And he, at the end, you know, I'm thinking, cause I think they opened with that before, right? The last tour. I yeah. Remember. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just love that. You know how Nez will talk some of the lines, you know, well, I told you I'd come back. Well, here I am. You know, <laughs> it was just, it was so crazy, you know, instead of just singing it. So uh, that was just perfect, perfect uh, intro. And it gave that sort of, uh, I thought it, you know, introduced the feel that it was going to be a little bit more like a, you know, a country show with Pete Finney on the, on the pedal steel. And, you know, it felt a little bit more, like you said, like maybe kind of stripped down, not to say that there weren't some songs that were, that were pretty record accurate. And of course we'll get into those, but then of course, then they, they launch into Clarksville and, and it's, it's great because, you know, Mickey usually says, Oh, this is the one that started it all, but he didn't even have to say it. It was just like, Oh my God. Yeah. There it is. 55 years later, last train to Clarksville, it still stands. You know, and uh, they have this new guitar player, uh, Amin, on the on the on the show. Uh, He's Mr. a great Zeru- guitarist. Yeah, Zarukian is that how you say it? Yes, <laughs> his name. Yeah, did a great job on the solo. You know, um, it's always something that's that's hard to to replicate. And I uh, just thought that was great. And then they launch right into uh, "Kind of Girl I Could Love," and um, uh, Pete gets a nice, um, you know, the pedal steel um, solo. Gets they to shine the there. Yeah, it gets to shine on that, which I think originally was just a slide, but it sounded really cool on the on the pedal steel. I like how sometimes they told a story and sometimes they didn't. Like some songs don't they don't they don't need a story, right? <laughs> you know. Um, then uh, they went into di- different drum. I mean, this is something that's on the Mickey sings Nez, you know, uh, album. I thought it might be kind of cool to have because I know didn't Coco usually do yeah some of that yeah I thought that would have been kind of cool to bring her down and do a duet with Mickey on that but uh, you know I'm like rewriting their show in the audience but no no it was cool I thought that would have been kind of cool introduce his sister and then she sings a line he sings a line but it was obviously Mickey sounded freaking amazing and that was more you know arranged like it was the Linda Ronstadt way which I really right. like a lot. Um, and then uh, what did you go into that? I have the set in front of me. Where is Sunny it? Girlfriend. Sunny Girlfriend, yeah. And again, another classic. Just uh, I can't remember if Mike told the story about how he wrote this one or not. But um, yeah, another classic, classic tune. Well, and then Sunny Girlfriend, man, Mike and, and Mickey just sounded great on it. Just, you know, uh, Mickey starts um, harmonizing right away. Which usually the harmony isn't until the second one, but he starts harmonizing right away. It just sounds sounded great. Uh, Mary Mary, of course, the usual. Um, and then they covered Run DMC song Mary Mary. <laughs> Mary, Mary. Oh wait, maybe exactly. I have that backwards. <laughs> I think you have it backwards. You know, and shout out to the to the, to what what I call the usuals. You know, John Billings on on the bass and and Rich Dart on the drums. But I just thought, yeah, they had it. They had this just kind of crazy look in their eyes, just like they were really going above and beyond. Like they're always good. But I just got this feeling from them that they were really having a good time, like they were really pushing above and beyond to make this, uh, you know, very, very special. A special thing. It is the farewell tour after all. And you can tell when John Billings and Rich Dart, they like you can just see that and they're they take it to the next level. It is so what a great rhythm section. Yeah. When they lock in, there's nothing like it, you know, and they look like they were just having the time of their lives. And it, it really 
it really added to the feeling of the show. I thought, you know, um, let's see what, what else they do next. Uh, you just said, and you just may be the one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) that was, that sounded really good too. A little bit of an arrangement there, but pretty much sticking to the record. They did some cool stuff there. Um, and then, uh, you know, Mickey did, um, for Pete's sake, you know, and obviously gave, um, you know, Peter credit for songwriting and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And we got into a door in the summer, which, you know, had been done. And, you know, the first time I saw them do that was when, you know, right after Davy had passed away. And I, I remember thinking the same thing with Davy. you know, Davy's, you know, obviously my favorite, I don't know if it's obvious, but he's my favorite monkey because I'm short and <laughs> I've always liked his voice and I'm always looking for girls. So, you know, that was right. Well, well of, do me a favor and stand up when you say that. Yeah, I am standing up. Um, so, you know, when, when Davey passed away, I thought, oh, my gosh, it's just not going to be the same. It's not going to be the same. And when, on that tour, it just hit me. The monkeys are a band. The monkeys mm-hmm. are a band. You know, it's not it's not that um, that Davey brought a silliness to it, but I think that's what a lot of people do look down on the monkeys as, as being corny or cheesy or whatever. But when they went into Jordan's summer, it was just like, <laughs> it's just such a cool tune and such great music that it just, it just gave me chills. And it sounded, that's, I think one of the ones that sounded very record accurate, very, very close to the, to the sound of, of the record. And it was just uh, amazing to hear. Randy Scouse. Oh, Randy Scouse. Yep. Yeah. And of course, Mickey brings out the big uh, kettle, kettle kettle drum. drum. Yep. Does his thing on there. So uh, telling a story about how, we, you know, how he, you know, most of us monkey fans have heard, had heard the story before about the Beatles and all that and how he wrote it. Uh, but it was still, it was still fantastic. And then of course the one, one of the ones I was waiting for, Love is Only Sleeping. And, uh, you know, it's got a weird timing because yeah. uh, the verses are in a weird, in a weird time. And I thought, oh my gosh. But uh, yeah, Zarukian had that, he had that uh, guitar tone just dialed in right from the beginning, just sounded great. And uh, they went into it. It was just, it was a moment. It was definitely a moment. And there are some slight differences in the arrangement, but I think that it almost plays up to their strengths at this point. It does a little bit. I mean, because you really can't overdub yourself on stage like they did on the original album. So they're kind of uh, filling in the gaps that there would be. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Coco and Cersei back there, you know, are doubling and trying to make it sound a little bit thicker because, like you said, you can't. I mean, that's one of the things <laughs> I'm trying to do John Lennon, who's been triple tracked. I'm like, I, right. I can't sound like I'm triple tracked. There's nothing you can do. You can add delay to your voice, but it it never really sounds like that no matter what you end up doing. But, no, they captured the essence of it for sure. It was it was it was really great. I mean, it's one of my favorite song, favorite monkey songs of all time. And then that led into birth of an accidental hipster. Yeah, which is weird too. You think in the monkeys making new, you know, relatively new music. There's that thing, and I don't know if you saw it in our show. Did we? Wait, did I put that in the Fifty Summers? I have that the Dick Clark clip. Yes. where he asks, yes. yeah, he asks the kids, you know, who's going to be around longer, the monkeys or the Beatles? And uh, we showed that clip when when Mickey was on stage, and the clip gets done, and he goes, well. I'm still here. <laughs> and it's true. It's true. Yeah. When you think about it, the Beatles haven't made new music in, in, in decades where the monkeys actually have, it's you absolutely know, and amazing. Who would have ever thought that? Who would have thought? Yeah. We're sitting here talking about the monkeys, not the Beatles. It's just, 
it's very, very weird. And of course, that song is great. It goes through all little changes and stuff. I, I love that tune. And the background vocals are really cool in it, too. And then up next, we have St. Matthew. Yeah, another, you know, something we didn't hear. Well, depending how cool of a Monkees fan you were, we didn't hear until Missing Links. What what was it on? Two? Missing One Links? of them. Two, yeah, I think volume two. Of course, you know, we've had it on bootleg for a while, but that's another one of my favorite outtakes. It just sounded great. Up next, we've got As We Go Along. What are your thoughts on that one? Oh, well, you know, the classic song from Head, you know, the flip side of Porpoise Song, but uh, that one sounded amazing too. And just uh, another one of my faves. You know, you'll find that a lot of my favorites are from Head, but uh, that one's, you know, Mickey. Mickey just sounded great. He's just such a great voice, you know, and it's just, I think a lot of times he was trying to do the singer or the songwriter that wrote the song. Like a lot of times you'll hear that in his voice. And I think that's a lot of times what makes the song sound very authentic. Like he's doing Carol King when it's a Carol King song. Mm-hmm. He's doing Neil Diamond with a Neil Diamond song, you know, trying to, trying to get those inflections. So he stays true to the song. And I think it's part of what makes him a good singer is that he can, he can adjust, you know, uh, whatever, whatever the song needs. I mean, you listen to him on Stepping Stone. He's angry. I mean, Mickey, yeah. he doesn't really sing that many things angry. But if you really right. listen to not as angry as Mark Lindsay's version, but <laughs> he's he sounds pissed off. You know, it sound it sounds really cool. And when and when you think about it, you know, you mentioned that he kind of pulls the original, uh, the you know the the writer into the song. I feel that he almost inhabits the song. Like he's like he brings his acting to the song. Yes, his acting skills, yeah, to his voice and how he, how he's performing. It's almost like he like he wrote it, which is what a good singer is supposed to do. He They're makes you feel it. it. Yeah, exactly. Get inside what's called getting inside the lyric, which is exactly what he did on as we go along. And then they close the set with Circle Sky, which just kicked. I mean, it really kicked. I mean, for seventy year old guys, I mean, <laughs> that was rocking, man. It was mm-hmm. pretty kicking. And that's pretty fifteen kicking. songs, so. We're going to take an intermission here, right? 15 songs. That's some band's whole shows is 15 songs. But oh, it's, yeah. it's amazing to think that, uh, you know, as, as some people say, we are just getting started here. Let's take a little break right now from discussing the set list. And let's discuss the actual people on the stage. For those who don't know uh, who's all there, let's talk about the new guy first. Okay. You want to talk about uh, Amin? Yes. Introduce yeah. him. Well, I don't know him, but <laughs> I, I knew him on stage. I was yeah. like, whoa, that guy was great. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Wayne is obvi- – I think they're joining up with Wayne this week, I mm-hmm. think. Yes, the great Wayne Avers is back as of this recording. He is the man. We love Wayne. He is fantastic. I know you've worked with him. Yeah, but, you know, Wayne's been their guitar player since, what, the 80s? And since... Wayne is no slouch. Oh, you know, Wayne – it's so funny because he was really our rock. You know, we had to learn as a Fab Four, we had to learn the Monkey songs and the and the Paul Revere and the Raiders songs for our mm-hmm. show that we did. You know, Fifty Summers of Love, and you know, some of the songs we already knew, and some of some of them were a little more difficult than others. And we were sounding okay during rehearsals out here in California. And when we flew Wayne in, well, Wayne and Coco, when when Wayne came in, it was just like he was the rock. It's like okay, now it sounds like the Monkeys. It's like now. Now it's starting to sound like what it was supposed to yeah. sound like. So we're so happy to have him. But Wayne man, is this... the true North on stage. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And guiding you through the endings and the beginnings and, you know, how Mickey likes it and those different things. It was just invaluable to have him up there. But this kid, uh, Zarukian, man, he, uh, wow. I mean, he captured all the tones. And that's one thing I noticed too is that 
Um, even Christian Nesmith has a lot of different guitars up there. It looks like they took a lot of time to say, if this song is an acoustic, we'll grab an acoustic. If this song's a 12-string acoustic, we'll grab a 12-string acoustic. You know, whatever it took to make the song sound a little bit more authentic, I think they, they really went above and beyond. And, and uh, it means tones were just great, just spot on. So since we're talking guitars, let's let's move over to Christian Nesmith. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like he is also the rock there, especially on the Nez side, you know, kind of guiding his dad a little bit and also reading him a little bit. It's like, no, he's going to start now and and or no, we should, you know, wait a minute or whatever, whatever the situation was. But he was great, getting some great tones, too. And, you know, a lot of that stuff, <laughs> you know, you know, as well as I do, I'm, I'm a huge apologist for the monkeys. Everyone say, oh, the monkeys you know, that's easy. That's easy stuff. Really? No, it's really. not. You, you have the best musicians, you know, you have Hal Blaine and Glenn Campbell and all these play, people playing instruments at the time of the sixties in their heyday. And then Mickey Dolan singing all this high stuff. It's, like, it's difficult, very, very difficult. And I just thought, you know, Christian along with uh, Zarukian really, really pulled it together guitar wise. And then, of course, uh, Pete, every once in a while, will pick up a uh, – Pete Finney, the uh, pedal steel player, will pick up an acoustic too. So so he's on uh, guitar occasionally and the steel guitar and just an all-around swell guy. So there you go. <laughs> well, yeah, and just also just uh, bringing a, stores, a sort of style and class uh, to the whole picture there. Like even when there really isn't any pedal steel, you know, he's holding down – he knows – He's a pro. He, he knows when to hold back, when to shine, when to just, you know, play a pad, just be in the back to fill in. And then he knows when to when to come in and, and do his solo stuff. And uh, well, when you think great... about it, it's, it's, it's almost like a keyboard player, how it's an ambient kind of uh, feeling that is created that he is able to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And when you think about how many monkey songs have pedal steel, because I was thinking about I don't know if we're going to talk about this now, but I was thinking, I've been thinking about a long time putting a monkeys thing together long. I've been thinking about for a long, long time. As long as I've been thinking about being a beetle, I've been thinking about being a monkey and uh, because I love the music so much, but really like we talked about, it's so difficult to put together, but because of all the different factors. Mm -hmm. But one thing is the pedal steel. I was looking at all the songs that have pedal steel. It's like, where are you going to get a pedal steel player? To be in a monkeys band, you know what I mean? Unless it is the monkeys. And uh, there's just so many different elements. There's fiddle and, right. uh, you know, there's horns and strings. Uh, you know, Mickey Dolan screaming his head off. You know, where are you going to find that? So I think that's one of the reasons why I haven't really, although I've done this monkeys, monkey men thing, I might get a little bit more serious about it and just put out maybe a, you know, a casting call. Madness, you know. <laughs> that would be <laughs> Something fun. out and say, uh, you know, that that's what I'm looking for. And I don't know if I'm looking for, I'm going off a little bit of a tangent, but I don't know if I'm looking for someone to play Mickey and Mike and Davey and Peter, but um, more like just a tribute to the music. But then I don't right. know who's going to show up to not see the monkeys. Exactly. But anyway, that's, that's one of the rough things about it. You know, you, what do you, what exactly does a tribute band look like to which act? You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. kind of dependent to, to each act. And then over on the other side of the stage on keyboards, we have another uh, B Bopalula member, Alex Jules, he and the guitar player in the same band, Bebop Lula. And this is Alex's, what, third time, third go around or something like that. He's fantastic as well. Oh, he was great. Just wonderful. He also does background vocals. And then we've got John Billings on bass, 
I uh, can't say enough good about him. And then we've got the great Rich Dart on drums. And then we've got Coco Dolans and Cersei Link on background vocals and just plain coolness. Yeah. And, and the whole thing adds up to a, a great, great night of, of, of monkeys music and stories and, and fantastic memories, you know. And while we're at it, I'd like to give it a shout out to everybody on the crew. Uh, they've always been kind to us whenever we've been at one of the shows and uh, there is no monkeys tour without the monkeys crew and Andrew Sandoval and all the people behind the scenes. So it's just a round of applause for everybody there. But Yay. so now that we've taken an intermission to kind of let you know the personnel that's on the stage this year, since we're at a natural break, let's, let's take a second to check out this public service announcement. And now a special message from Zilch. We want to remind you that the monkeys are people. Same as you and me. They get stuff right, they get stuff wrong. But they've done a lot for their fans over the years, and they deserve both our support and their privacy. The same goes for their family and friends, people who work for them, their touring band, and for our friends at Rhino, 7A, the other companies who bring us the monkeys fun, and of course, Dino, Jared, Larry, and Marty. Think for a moment before you post and determine whether or not you want someone saying something like that about you or your family. We here at Zilch like to keep things peaceful, friendly, cordial. Don't mess it up. I'm Tim Powers, and I'm too busy to put anybody down. That's right, you can't say on radio or TV or apparently the Zilch podcast. Let's get back into the second act, which kicks off with Porpoise Song. What can you tell us about that one? Well, yeah, so, uh, you know, everyone's getting back to their seats and just just Mickey and Alex come out. And you're thinking, oh, what's going on? And they do an amazing stripped down version of Porpoise Song, really a highlight of the night. It was incredible. I think uh, Coco and Cersei are also ad adding uh, background vocals, but it was just so touching and, and, and showing what a great song it was. Sometimes when you strip a song down, it makes it worse, but then when you strip this song down, it just made it way better. It's just not that the record is, is bad, but it's just um, – There's an intimacy to it. There is, definitely. And you can really hear Mickey pouring his heart out and uh, – and just that little bit of keyboard stuff in the background just really, really made it. It was, it really was a highlight of the night.
seems like people are entering the stage or re-entering the stage as they're needed at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of like getting pieced on as, yeah, exactly. And adding their little thing. It was, it was a great, great moment to a great, great song. So you almost see the band come in as they're needed till they're full together. And again, and their entirety, it's, it's pretty amazing when you think about it. It's, it's a nice touch. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, that was, I don't know who thought of that, but that was, that was great. A great, great arrangement. While I cry with Nez. Yeah. And then Mickey leaves and then Andrew introduces just Mike by himself and he sits down and tells a story. I'm sure you've seen it on Facebook or YouTube or whatever, but, uh, Wonderful. I mean, well, like, yeah, you think, I mean, I think about it, we're getting a song from instant replay for crying out loud. I mean, one of my favorites, uh, you know, lost sort of gem hidden gem that's that's on that album i've always loved that song i learned that song as a kid i don't even know why he was crying like i didn't know what a relationship was but boy wow i mean the way he told the story and the way he sang it was just when we first got the show i said like, got the show the show got us but whatever happened we first all assembled before us Played songs for each other, and he played the stuff that he'd written, and I played the stuff that I'd written. And one of the things that I, <clears throat> I brought up at the time was, you know, Monkey's fans do not have single dimensions, so it'd be, it'd be a good idea, <laughs> a good idea, that we thought about them as a whole formed person and addressed them that way, and some. Nutbag said, but they're all only 12. <laughs> I said, I know they're only 12. We're all only 12 once. 
but everybody that has sat on the floor or whatever place of their basement on the crappy old long-haired carpet <laughs> and cried by yourself, all by yourself. You're like, oh man, how did this happen to me? And I said, monkeys fans cry. Why do you avoid it? We can sing to it. They need a place to put it. I need a place to put it if you don't mind. And let's just have these songs. Well, it was an uphill battle, no way. And if you listen to the records, you'll hear how they came along and you'll star them and write little notes about them and on Facebook and all that stuff. But the important thing to me was I saw the depth of these songs that people were writing for us. And now there was so much to be mined, so much to be drawn from it, that would heal. Now, that's a big word, but I use it advisedly. Because who needs more, more healing than a 12-year-old? You, I'm 12 and I <laughs> But you know what I'm talking about. That's the worst time of life. And it becomes inconsolable. I was, I was over at a friend's house and a kid went off on him. And I said, you know what? He was just going off on you because he didn't have any place to go. Find him a little story to tell and let him tell it. Let him sing it. So I tried to write some of those songs. I'm sorry about the sucker, but my voice <laughs> So <clears throat> I thought, well, okay, you got your shot, do it. And I wrote a song called While I Cry. <clears throat> As songs go, it ain't night and day. <laughs> but, but it's a noble effort. I'd like to sing it for you so you can just be back at that moment with me. Now, here's the, here's, here's the part of it that's a son of a bitch, which is I can't make it all the way through this song without crying. So, oh, stop. So, <laughs> so, so when we get to the part, you would think I would ordinarily cry. I do! Okay? I needed the parking space. So, that's where we're gonna go. But just remember, any tears that flow from the stage tonight with Master Dolan's or me, these are authentic. We can cast aspersions all we want. But kids, this is the real stuff, as corny as it sounds. Okay, question.
They told me what you'd do if I ever stayed with you. They told me that you'd laugh while I cried. They told me what you'd say that you'd turn Find another place to play while I cry. Now I think back on those times I didn't read between the lines. Now all the things that you said never seemed to match. That alone was worth the price of admission. Mm-hmm. That was, well, I didn't pay anything because Andrew got me a ticket, but right. that was, <laughs> that was really, really worth it. And just really, really tied up uh, how everybody feels about the music and how everyone's so close to me. When you think about it, what we're doing as musicians, really, we're just reflecting on people's memories. Like we're yeah. just there to to enhance and get you to recall the, the way you feel about the monkeys, the way you feel about your relationships, or when you you met your first girlfriend or your first wife or <laughs> or whatever, or your you know that those are the things that you're doing. So you're just uh, um, um, 
a vehicle in a way to get people to to evoke their memories and to get them to think about what they've gone through in their lives and just mm-hmm. everyone in the building was just in tears it was it was amazing and a special moment is up next me and magdalena i know that when i first heard that song in the context of the album good times it really just everything in my world stopped and yeah it was like this is unbelievable to have this quality of a song this level of everything feeling art on a monkey's album and it's 50th anniversary it's just amazing and uh I'm glad that it's in the set and it's a very special song. And I think to all of us who have been here for a very long time, it almost shows that the monkeys have grown old along with us. For sure. And at least matured. Yeah. Matured is definitely the word. Yeah. You can say old for you, but I'm going to say matured for me. All right. (laughs) Yeah. And then of course, Mickey and and Mike just blending perfectly on that song. is just, yeah, I, I had the same response. I was listening to it on the plane. And I just stopped and I listened to it again. It was just, it was like, yeah, like what? <laughs> this is like an amazing song.
and then it goes into Papa Jean's Blues. Yeah, and this is a little bit more of a country arrangement of it, which is it's always been, but it's only it's under two minutes on the record. It's going so dang fast with that sort of, you know, Latin sort of salsa feel to it on top of the country western thing. It just blows by you. But mm -hmm. I think this way, like by slowing it down and making it more a little like like you said, a little more unplugged and gives it a chance to breathe. And of course the audience sings along and it's just it's it's what my dad calls his favorite Beatles song. <laughs> <laughs> he says, hey, play that uh, for I love you. I always imitate my dad. I know you love me. Play that, Ronald. That's my favorite Beatles song. Like, dad, it's not the Beatles. But okay, I'll play it for you anyway. Uh, that's awesome. It was almost a bit of a soft shoe. Uh, like you could do a little soft shoe to this version. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? But Nez always does things like that where he'll like do like a Tin Pan Alley version of something that might have been a faster song. And, you know, he likes to do different mix ups and different arrangements over. Yeah, over I mean, the years. if it works, it works, right? Yeah. Like Tapioca Tundra last year, that was really neat how he did that, even though he did that weird little dance that he did. That was kind of bizarre. But the next <laughs> song up was The Girl I Knew Somewhere. Yeah. And this was, you know, record version. Definitely with the with the uh, the guitar sound and the keyboard sound and and you know Alex really nailed that solo and just just trying to make it as close to the record as possible but but with Ness singing along and uh, that that was one of those ones that was more arranged for um, you know to be more like the record which I enjoyed. Up next, Tapioca Tundra. Well, yeah, and then uh, you know Nez goes into the story of how he wrote it, you know, coming off one of the the early Monkey concerts and and talking with with Peter. And how he, how he wrote that tune, and um, yeah, that was kind of a that was a great moment too, just fantastic. Even, yeah, it was great. Up next, through the looking glass. This time, Mickey wasn't in drag. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, some of these tunes, you know, they've been through different arrangements in your time. But in my show, they did Steam Engine here, ah. so. Yeah, I didn't see it through the looking glass, which I love. I love that song. I like them. I like them both. But Steam Engine was fun. So they've swapped that out. That is awesome. So that's that, that's a pretty rollicking version. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. You know, and isn't it technically? I guess Steam Engine is technically unreleased, right? That's. I mean, you know, that really it wasn't on any album or anything, so. Yes, Ron, you're right. Steam Engine was recorded in 1969 for the Changes album, was written and produced by Chip Douglas, featuring Mickey Dolenz on vocals. And of course you know this, but this, this song was released in 1983 on an A-side for the Chicago Monkeys Convention. It was a private pressing, and it was backed up with Rainbows from Davy Jones. Then it was released on Listen to the Band, the box set, that was a compilation of recordings back in 1991 to commemorate the group's 25th anniversary. And of course, also on Missing Links, Volume 3 from 1996. Right, right. It was cool to get that kind of rarity, like um, St. Matthew, you know, just weird to get. Yeah, it wasn't a know. single. You, When you think about someone doing a 55th anniversary tour, you're probably going to get the hits, but they've definitely uh, shattered that. Oh yeah, it's definitely will. for us super fans for sure. What's next? What do you have on your? Let's see, I've got. Up next, we've got 
Auntie's Municipal Court. Yeah, another great one. I think uh, Keith Ellison's playing guitar on that one. I was talking with him recently. On the original? And he's, yeah, on the original. And he uh, went into the studio and, and recorded it, and then somehow they either erased it or didn't like it. And then Nez had him come back in because they didn't like what they were getting. He says, uh, you know, can you do that thing you were doing back there? Cause I really like that. And, uh, so, uh, it's like, it's just some great guitar parts on that. And they, they sounded great. And it is Mickey and Mike right on the record. Like I'm not, I'm not freaking out. Right. Cause it sounds like Mickey, but then it sounds like Mike, it sounds like they're both singing the lead right on the record. Yeah, there's times that you it does sound like that, you know what I mean? And then there are versions that have since been released because Andrew you know, Right. Just Mike, just Mickey. And all that stuff. Yeah. Right. But on the actual record I hear both almost like a double track with the two of them singing together. So that I that sounded great. Absolutely. Then we've got What Am I Doing Hanging Around? Yeah, which is classic, of course. Classic country. Everyone got you know, everyone was up and singing. And uh, another great track from uh, from Pisces Aquarius. Again, Fantastic. really fitting the, the sort of country theme that the whole thing is going through. The whole show is going through. Right. And then we get into our jazz epic piece. You know, there was a time that you would have been surprised to have ever heard going down on stage. But it's become a real moment. Whoever th would have thought this would, in a way, be one of their rock and roll nights. Yeah, it is weird. You know, the flip side. And, uh, you know, Mickey, when he was younger, dancing around like James Brown, which I get the feeling he probably still could do. Right. <laughs> but it looked like he was kind of toning it down a little bit to kind of like not be, you know, running around on stage during, like you said, like, like, or like I was saying, like more of a country Western adult kind of a show. But he got up and, and still belted it. And, and yeah, they leaned more to the jazzy side, the jazzier side of it, which I think it fits. It's absolutely fits. Well, that's how it was written for all intents and purposes. Uh, by the way, which do you think Mickey is uh, channeling or cosplaying as more? Is he a riverboat gambler or a gunslinger? <laughs> yeah, some, somewhere in between, huh? Yeah, because he's got those long jackets and the hat. <laughs> and he's smiling the whole time. You're thinking, I think that man's going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's weird that they went from last train to Clarksville where uh, – you know, they were dressed up as cowboys and now Mickey's actually doing it now. Yeah, that's his you know? that's his dress. That's the way he, that's his uh, standard uh, outfit now. Oh, I think it looks good. I think Ness look good, too. They looked real sharp to me. Yeah. Well, I, I'd rather have Mickey look like this than like uh, Fred Durst, you know, <laughs> ball cap on backwards and shorts. I'd rather have yeah. this. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Very classy uh, when you think about it as compared to Fred Durst. Anyway, uh, the next song is Sweet Young Thing. Yeah, same difference there. I remember it being a little bit more of, of, a, of a country-flavored thing, but they still added the, you know, some of the record stuff in there. Mm -hmm. Great classic, you know. Then they start, you know, what we call running the horse to the barn, doing the big hits and, and, and pulling the plug, Stepping Stone, Daydream Believer, you know, still very emotional. Even without the video, I thought, you know, you know, a couple of years, the, the one year they did with they had uh, extracted Davy's vocal and then they played a long live with it, which I thought was great. It was really cool, really emotional. Mm -hmm. But I think people already have their memory of Davy and Peter, too. You know, just they can already um, conjure that in their head. They don't need any 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 visuals. 
And Coco, uh, you know, a few years ago, she started putting her phone up with the the flashlight on, you know. Yes. And people do that. And it's a very special moment that happens in the show. And Mike, I've even heard Mike on the microphone say, Davey's seeing all this or, you know, this is all for you, yes. Davey, and stuff like that. So it's it's a very special moment. And I'm glad that they're not doing the same thing that they've done. I'm glad to see that it's evolved because it, it was really was like, how do we sing this song after Davey passed away, right? Right. So we actually had Davey sing it, and now it's us singing it, and now the band can sing it again. So it's it, we're all together in on this. So it's it's a very special moment. Yeah, you really can feel the spirit uh, just moving through Davy's spirit and everyone's love towards him. And it was especially moving, like you said, to see Nez actually connecting with that, you know, considering, you know, all the ups and downs that he and Davy had. And, and it was just uh, a very, very special moment. So if you're going to see the show and you get to that moment, wait for Cersei and Coco. Coco started all this. Wait for them to pull their phones out and just take a look around the, the whole arena. Because it yep. really is something to soak in. All Make sure you have alive. battery life. Make sure you yeah. have battery life too. You know? Absolutely. Drain your phone. And then they did uh, Pleasant Valley Sunday. Yep. Uh, rollicking. And then yep. we do our encore. Listen to the band and I'm a believer. Two, two strong ones. One for Nez and one for Mickey. And both of them for the fans. For sure. And at that moment it really did feel like it was very emotional and it felt like goodbye. It really did feel like they were saying, thanks for everything. Thanks for the memories. And, um, and, you know, we'll see you next time. You know, it was, it was, it was emotional, very moving. Mm -hmm. So there is a spoilerific review of the 55th anniversary farewell tour. Um, if you want a really nice souvenir of it, I cannot suggest to people enough to get the monkeys, the Mike and Mickey show. It's, it's almost like they're touring on that album in a way. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what they were supposed to do according to Andrew, but yeah. you know, COVID hit. And so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a good soundtrack to, uh, to what's going on. So if you're thinking, gee, I want something to listen to before the concert, get this. And that way you can listen to it on the way home too. And you can carry the show with you. For sure. There's nothing like seeing those guys in concert. There's nothing like being in the audience and actually seeing those people that you grew up watching right there in front of you. I mean, you can listen to the soundtrack all you want, and I, I definitely recommend that. But there's nothing like going to see them in person. Absolutely. Absolutely. So earlier... Uh, I mentioned that I'd like to talk to you a little bit about some stuff and I want to thank you for that review and thank you for being here. Uh, I'd like to play another song that you did. Would it be okay? Uh, sure. I'd like to do the version of I want to be free. We talked about Davy, and this is your tribute to Davy Jones. Well, yeah, what had happened was I went to, and it was the last show I saw before COVID was um, the reunion uh, of the love and spoonful over here in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And they do these things every once in a while over there at that same theater with some of these, you know, characters that we all know will come up and special guest and, and will play the songs of the, of the artists uh, mm -hmm. that they're tributing to. But um, it just happened to be on the anniversary of, of Davy's passing. And I, I thought, wow, I just, I've been, I've been in denial the whole time that when I heard it, he passed away. I just, I just shut down. I didn't, 
it was so hard for me to believe. And I realized that all these years had gone by and I always thought, well, I'll just record something. I'll do something. And just, it really took me to this point to record something for him and just, and do my best Davey and, and just to let him know that, you know, he was always my favorite and I really, really missed him. So here is Ron McNeil doing I Want to Be Free in tribute to Davy Jones. I want to be free Like the bluebirds flying by me Like the waves out on the blue As to tie me, don't try me, say goodbye I wanna be free, don't say you love me, say you like me But when I need you beside me, stay close enough to guide Laughing in the sun, always having fun, doing all those things without any strings to tie me down. I wanna be free, like the warm September wind, so you'll always be my Wonderful. I loved it the first time I heard it. And you can see this on YouTube. Uh, what's the name of the channel? What is the name of the channel? <laughs> That's a good question. Oh, I know. It's, it's uh, Mr. Not What What. Yes, Mr. Not What What. So Mr. there you Not go. Not What What. There you go. Fantastic. So check that out on YouTube. There will be links in the show notes, of course. Head is the most extraordinary adventure western comedy love story mystery drama musical documentary satire ever filmed. On the Zilch Facebook page, which I know you're a member of, and it's always a fun place to be, there's always good discussion, and sometimes it's just things as I think Davy's cute all the way to really important stuff, right? About everything from peace and love and all that comes with it and caring for one another and occasionally monkeys music and the monkeys TV show and all things monkeys. But, uh, 
somebody recently was asked this question. Jason Merrick over at the Zilch Facebook page wrote, I saw ahead for the second or third time last evening. What a complete experience. Good film? Yes. Perhaps unwittingly at the time. Very good, in fact. I didn't understand it the first few times. I just needed to know the backstory. Now it travels smooth. I also think that a cause for my enjoying it is the fact that I've only seen it a few times to let it rest. It's a great document of sights, sounds, and music. How about the opinions of other members? And it was a very interesting discussion. Some people loved it and thought the film was groundbreaking. Some people were angry and they felt that somehow or another parts of their childhood were taken away. And some people were thinking that, for example, uh, the Vietnam scene in the Circle Sky video should not have been in a film aimed at kids. And I don't think that the film was aimed at kids. And I know there's the part where Peter punches the person and says, come on, Bob, this is aimed at kids. You know, right. it really wasn't aimed at kids ever. It was, it's a very adult film in many ways, but we tend to think it's kind of like we were talking older, earlier about older and mature, right? Yeah. Some people seem to think that adult means dirty or dangerous, but it's a very grown up film in many ways. And it wasn't, it wasn't your standard 90 minute monkeys episode. I think that it's one of the bravest uh, rock and roll films, period. One of the bravest films, period. I, I hold it in very high esteem and my respect for it only grows with each watching. I see something different every time. And they were brave in a way that the Beatles weren't even brave. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's, it's just amazing. So I want to know your thoughts on Head, the movie. <laughs> well, it's a little unfair because I really, really like Head. And mm -hmm. I, I I mean the movie. And uh, the uh, – <laughs> speaking of adult, adult talk, talk – Hey, hey now. But, I tell you, it's a rough crowd. But I've always said, yeah, it's it's edgy. You know, the first time I saw it, I was a kid, and they ran it here in L.A. at 2 in the morning. And I asked my older sister to stay up with me and watch it. And she's just, ah, oh, you know, it was about 1.30, and she fell asleep. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch this thing. So, yeah, I had the soundtrack that I bought as a cutout. So it must have been, what, 99 cents or something. Wow. And I just, I just thought it was so creepy. I put it on. You know, that opening ceremony is so weird. And, you know, I'm a kid. I'm a monkeys fan. I'm just like a little kid. I mean, what is this? But then when Porpoise Song came on, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is really good. And it, it turned out to be one of my favorite albums of all time. So I had the album first. Mm -hmm. So I'd never. I think that that's pretty fair for most people, if you were even aware of its existence, right? Like, I remember, to me, the only monkey albums I knew about in the middle of nowhere, Ohio, was the first five. That was it. And then the greatest hits from Arista. You couldn't find those other right. albums. I mean, you could, like open up a cupboard door in someone's kitchen and a copy of more of the monkeys would fall out. You know what I mean? It was, oh, yeah. it's, it's, it was as ubiquitous as Fleetwood Mac's rumors in the seventies. Yeah. It was just, I think, I think Andrew said the same thing. He didn't even know about instant replay or, or changes or, or present at all. And I didn't know until, until they released them on Rhino. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I did find that call gems um, head in a liquor store one time here in orange County. And I begged my dad to buy it. Luckily, it was on sale. Thank then, God so, you had that parent-child moment where dad takes you to the liquor store and buys you out-of-print Monkeys albums. That's Right, while, while he was buying booze, you know. What a special moment. 
booze and cigarettes or whatever. <laughs> no, but it was cool. Yeah. It was definitely cool. My dad was always very supportive. I love my dad so much. He was always very supportive. You know, a lot of parents don't support their kids, but my dad was always there with me, helping me through all, you know, listening to his favorite um, Beatles song. Beatles song. Yeah. yeah, Papa Jean's Blues. <laughs> so, so for me, seeing it, you know, early morning, and I was already tired, and it was such a strange film. And I, I still liked it as a kid, but when, you know, when it came out on video, that's when, when I think we all started watching it a little bit more. And I just thought, what a groundbreaking film. And it was edgy, you know. And by that time, I was older, an older teen, or, you know, getting into my 20s. And so now it's like, now it's cool, you know. And they were, that's exactly what they were trying to do, was kill the monkey's image, try, try to break that thing so that it would die. Bust out. So, yeah, so that it would die and that the kids, you know, would turn off to it. And the adults would be just as turned off as, as they were in the first place. But it's it's edgy, man. It's a great film. I, I know a lot of people study it. I had a, a friend who's goes to um, who um, studying in in, um, in a film class here at uh, USC or wherever he was going, and it was just like you know that's when they watch. That's when they say, hey, here's you know something that's um, you know groundbreaking. And with all that great music, you can't, you really can't go wrong. I, I think it's amazing. I think it's an amazing film. It'll stand the test of time because of its, uh, of the, the boundaries that it pushed, including the Vietnam, you know, the, the, um, or the, you know, the war scene and, and those different things. I mm -hmm. thought it was perfect. It, you know, the people trying to get at the monkeys and, and, re, and sort of, uh, relating it to a war scene, um, was powerful. It's a powerful film. Yeah, because you've got the youth of America crying over plastic idols, and then you've got the youth of America in Vietnam and the youth of Vietnam trying to stay alive, screaming for different reasons. Yeah. That juxtaposition it was, of the two things. Exactly. It's you very, know. very powerful and totally works. And it wouldn't work without it. It wouldn't work without with without the way it was done. Yeah. And took a lot of took a lot of guts. Do I say guts? Yeah, it took a lot of guts to do that, to put that yeah. on film. It's yeah. funny that it got a G, didn't it get a G rating? Yeah, but you have to understand that that's meaningless at that point because pretty much the only ratings you had were G, M, and X, which X wasn't even really a thing. You know what I'm saying? It it, it became something eventually, but there was no PG-13, right? Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. I forgot that the ratings were a little bit different. I always just thought – I just assumed someone said, oh, the monkeys. Yeah, just put a G on it and get it out of here. No one's going to watch the film to review it anyway. Just Could put be. a G on it. And then no one, no one ended up seeing it in the first place right. anyway, not, not the first go around. So it's only become like, – like a lot of the monkeys, things that the monkeys did, only later do you look back and go, what? That's amazing. You know? So, well, that's that's everything, right? Like, for example, I love pop music. You know, uh, I, I I did a, I still do occasionally a, a a show called Pop with Ken Mills, and it's all about pop culture, right? And right. the the definition of pop culture is here today, gone later today. Sometimes, and who would have thought that any of this stuff would be around, or that we would be talking about it fifty five years later? It's it's unthinkable that that would happen. Uh, it, it by design is not meant to be discussed this many years down the road, but it's because we won't let things go. Our, our age, our group, our people, we were lucky to come up in the times 
of the first things being documented. Whereas before, like if you, if you go back to the 1920s, if something happened or was at the picture show or you saw a show, you didn't, you couldn't buy the live album, stream it or binge it. There was none of that. And it wasn't until like, if you take a look at the sixties, when we had UHF, all of a sudden you'd see old shows and old movies from the twenties up till then. Right. Everything yeah. was there. Like, you know, people like they, D.W. Washburn, there's some people that don't like that song, right? But what they don't understand is what was going on at the time. You had like uh, Winchester Cathedral and all that stuff because people were, and even Cuddly Toy, they were looking at the vaudeville, everything from Rudy Valley to whatever. I mean, that's what Tiny Tim was, right? He was a throwback to right. those old crooners through the, the long hair, if you will, through the filter of the long hair. Yeah. I'm going to agree and disagree with you. I think that, yes, people that grew up, that it's part partly our fault, so we'll, we'll blame it on us. But, I mean, like you said, like ABBA has a new album or whatever, right. and it's just like – but I, I disagree because my son, he's coming back to me with all this stuff. Hey, have you heard this? Or, you know, uh, you know like when he first discovered, you know, some other different bands and stuff that's, you know – that would be considered cheesy in the sixties or the seventies or even the eighties and coming back to me and saying, here's the difference. The reason why it lasts is because it's good. Right. Exactly. Whatever good means it's good. And, and people with taste will always go back and say, you know what? That's good. And I think it helps because you get further away from the stigma. You get further away from the fact that it was cheesy. It's like, right. well, who sings that song? You know, I mean, Will people appreciate Kung Fu fighting or something like that later? I mean, maybe, maybe not, but it's not going to be a, it's, it's going to be a classic for being funny, but right. it's not in the same way that I'm a believer is, is bubble gum. Right. Like it's strange. You, you take a look at someone like Dave Grohl, right? Hmm? He's young enough and old enough to remember when you could make fun of the monkeys or kiss or whatever. But he now is part of the people saying, no, they should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Because to him, he didn't live through the Rolling Stone idea of the monkeys aren't any good. They're plastic and fake. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. Right. So exactly. to him, there's there's nothing to stop him from loving whatever it is as an art form. So, you know, Cheap Trick got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Kiss got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And now I'd like to see the monkeys there. Not because I want them necessarily in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I want to like to be able to say, eat it to the Rock and Roll <laughs> Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? I don't really care if they have Mike's wool hat there and Davy's tambourine. I don't really give a crap about that. But I just, I just want to be able to like force them into it. But then again, what good is that? You know what I mean? If they're not going to willingly enjoy it, do we need it there? The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that matters is the one that beats within our hearts and the one that's in our ego and our mind. But uh, when, what I was saying earlier about... And thank you for listening to Zilch. That's we'll right. Talk to you later. That's, that's right. exactly it. That's exactly that's it. That's exactly yeah. it. It doesn't. But it's weird because there was no recorded pop culture that we could have instantly at our hands until like the 60s when you saw everything on... You might see something on PBS about the past or... Ed Sullivan would bring out Rudy Valley. Literally, I remember that happening. He brought Rudy Valley out on the Ed Sullivan show. My grandmother went. I remember him as a kid. Wow! So we were able to experience everything from vaudeville westerns, 
cheesy horror films every weekend on our UHF's channel somewhere. And then they started doing like the Time Life books and buy this four record set, the best of the 50s music, the best of the Bobby Soxers and stuff like that. That and thank God for the libraries, right? Because you could go and read about the greatest musics and uh, musical acts. Some of the books would just have, and the monkeys released five albums and they broke up and the TV show was canceled and that was it. And then you'd get one book and it would have, and they had head what's head. And they had instant replay. What's instant replay. And, and it was like, wow. And I remember going, remember those yellow pages when you'd go to the record store that had, you could oh, order yeah, these yeah, albums. Yeah. yeah. I was like gobsmacked to find that there was life beyond those first five albums. Yeah, that was yeah, just mind I mean, blowing to me. It's true that that's. I mean, we were talking about head at some point, but uh, yeah, yeah it, it really is true that uh, um, it, it gives people another generation a chance to appreciate. When in the eighties, my niece was oh, she must have been nine, anywhere from six, seven, or eight or nine, somewhere around there. You know, where she was growing up when the monkeys made their comeback in the eighties, and like. People, she just thought it was something that was happening now. She didn't right. know. So she became a Monkees fan. What is that? Two or three generations later, you yeah, know? Yeah, I think and that's the third. Third generation, yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, well, even neither you or I were, you know, first generation Monkey fans. So it's like, there's, um, I, I just think people, it gives people a chance to turn on to something that, um, you know, wasn't of their time. But like you said, if there's a record of it, and they think it's good, they're just going to turn on to it. And that's, uh -huh. that was another thing I'm thinking about my monkey thing. It's like, well, who's, who's coming, who's coming to my thing? Like people, you know, anyway, that's just another, another but subject. Every day on YouTube is a new heart crushing on Davy Jones without the expectations and the fears that we grew up with. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. think about it. It's nothing for like if there were if there were a kid who had a crush, if there were a male kid who had a crush on Davy Jones back in 1977, he might he might have got made fun of that. Not today. Yeah. So it, it, the monkeys are going to be open up to a whole new world of everything. So it's just uh, fanship and love without the old rules. If you will. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, the further it gets away from being um uh not the right thing to do to not be playing on your records or whatever that wasn't cool in the 60s well it's not the 60s anymore that's either good music or it's not good music and it's right. good music you either like it or you don't as yeah. simple as that and i'm hoping that uh the monkeys get seen more and more on youtube because like i said that uh i've said this in the past that it's really the tv show that feeds the music which keeps us longing for the TV show. Like there were times that we didn't have access to the TV show, but we yeah. had the music. We could always put on that Arista's greatest hits. Right. Right. But now everything is at your fingertips and I'm hoping that there becomes a streaming, a legitimate streaming service that the monkeys can be part of. Let's hope that that happens. But I would like to tell people if you've enjoyed any of our discussions or thoughts on the movie head, I want you to check out Peter Mills's book, The Monkey's Head and the 60s. Love it. Great, great thing. He's been a guest on the show. Fantastic read. Wonderful thing to pick up. So check that out. Here's an ad about it right now. Thank you. So check out Peter Mills's book, The Monkey's Head and the 60s. No relation to me, by the way. <laughs> but we are brothers, man. We're brothers, are you? man. Brothers well, and the Monkeys. You know, hey, man, we're brothers, man. 
Hello, this is Peter Mills. I'm the author of the book, The Monkeys, Head and the Sixties, which is the first in-depth study of their 1968 movie. It looks at the history of the band right from their beginnings in 1965, right through their success, the movie, the seventies comebacks. The book also looks at the 33 and a third TV special, the Monkeys MTV revival, a lizard sunning itself on a rock, all the way through to 2016's Good Times. The book is available from Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and no doubt other online stores, and is also available as a Kindle download. Check out The Monkeys, Head and the Sixties. So I want to thank you for coming on today. Have you checked out MMR, Monkey Mania Radio? I have. I had it running, you know, pretty constantly when it came when it first came on, when the preview came on and stuff. Yeah, really, really cool. I, you know, I, you know, people were talking about the, you know, the fact that you can't have uh, too many monkey songs in a row. Is that that's actually a rule? Because we were we were talking about doing a, a Beatles thing a long time right. ago before there right. ever was, and they're like, no, no, you can't put the same artist. Uh, otherwise it's some kind of rule or something that somebody has, yeah. but no, I think it's great. I think a lot of this stuff is pretty diverse on there and it, it opens you up to some other things that are monkey related, which is great. I love it. I think it's a great thing. I think anything like that or, or, um, that keeps the, the music alive or, you know, monkey men or whatever, whatever it is in the future that the, the future holds as far as bringing the music to people is is and keeping the music alive is what it's about well i'd like to have you come on uh, my shift sometime and we'll do do a couple episodes one around christmas time which we might mm -hmm. plug some fab for christmas album. <laughs> just a thought just a thought that's a good idea yeah and we could just do one talking about your love of the monkeys and uh one of the things i love about it is i'm hearing stuff that you know, you and I are pretty big monkeys fans, right? But yeah. we haven't heard every little thing that's come out along the way. And it's not just monkeys music. It's, it's the music of Michael Nesmith, Mickey Dolans, Peter Tork, Davy Jones. And it's, it's, it's all of those things, but it's also Coco. It's also Annabelle Jones. It's yeah. also Christian Nesmith and Cersei Link. It's, yeah. it's anybody. It's Boyce and Hart. It's Carol King. You know what I mean? It's, it's Neil Diamond. It's, it's the culture that surrounds the monkeys. So it's, it, I, as I've said on, on my show on uh, MMR, I've said it's a monkey's world. We just live in it. So <laughs> there you go. You're, you're soaking in it, Madge. So <laughs> check out monkey mania radio on the live 365 app. We will put a link in the show notes and uh, it is, it's a lot of fun. It's, you know, there's some times that like I maybe didn't want an entire David Jones solo record, but when you mix it with a Peter Tork song and a Mike Nesmith song and a Mickey song, it's like, this is a new monkeys album. I've never heard not to be confused with the new monkeys, but <laughs> right. anything, anything under the umbrella of monkeys is possible to show up on MMR. So it's great. Yeah, In, in context, it's great. It's a great uh, mesh and a mix of, of all things monkeys. So check that out. MMR monkey mania radio. And Ron, I'd like to play another song from you. This one is you in tribute to Davy Jones doing someday, man. This is just you live at your piano. Still go along. 
Another excellent job from Ron McNeil. Thank you, Ken. Hopefully folks can see you on the road as part of the Fab Four. Uh, one of the best Beatles tribute bands of all time. My favorite. Zilch's highest recommendation. If you love the Beatles, you'll love the Fab Four. Thank you, Ken. Checks in the mail. Anytime, brother. <laughs> well, uh, we didn't really plan on doing a whole big episode. We are just going to talk a little bit about a review but it's always great to catch up with you and it i haven't really done as many zilches as i wanted to this year but it felt good to do this today so thank you for spending some time with us taking out some time to monkey around with us right because that's what we do here i want to thank you for being part of the show today and i want to thank you the listener for being the other part of the show because without you it's just us talking but it, we're, we're, we're we're great to we are thrilled that you are out there listening so I'm going to take off, uh, and remember, in the immortal words of Peter Tork, Well, let me tell you one thing, son. Nobody ever lends money to a man with a sense of humor. That's right, Peter. No one ever lends money to a man with a sense of humor. Thank you, Peter. So we will let you go. Thank you for listening. We'll see you all in the next episode of Zilch. Say, see you, Ron. See you, Ron. It wasn't too bad at all, was it? <laughs> no. <laughs> take care, Ken. We'll talk to you yep. soon. All right, we'll see you. Bye. Bye. And that's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members, past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Bird. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around.